Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. We have a desire to be affirmed. We hate to be judged. We hate to be called out. So should we expect that same thing from religion? Should we expect to be affirmed, encouraged, coddled? Partially, yes. We come and we sing worship to give praise to God and to connect with one another in our faith. And there's a feeling that's experienced in that that can't be reduplicated anywhere else. And it's good to come for that. We pray for one another so that the community can gather around each other and we can feel that we're not alone in this place. Though we can bring our requests and our needs to God so we can celebrate Him. Those are good reasons to come. We need that affirmation. But the question I want to ask today is why do we then bother with the Scriptures? Why do we read them? Well, the answer to that historically in the church is not popular today. We come before the Word week after week after week because you and I are free. What does that mean? Well, you see, you and I are the most dangerous creatures the most dangerous creatures on this planet to each other and to the universe. Now that's not a surprise to the Christian Bible. It's not a surprise. The Bible anticipates that. In fact, the Christian Bible in the book of Genesis tells us that left unchecked human evil and violence is so profound that God wiped out the majority of humanity just to stem the tide of the spread of violence the way that you or I would try to wipe out polio or a disease. And it's not just humans. It's not just the evil we do to each other that makes us the most dangerous creatures in the, on this planet. We devastate nature too. 
Is it any wonder that the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans said that the creation itself waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed? Jesus did not come to affirm that in us. Jesus came to expose us. Because we don't know this about ourselves. Humanity, in fact, you can trace it all the way back through all the religions and everything else. We have constantly been trying to pretend we're not free. The church allowed us to say, originally, the devil made me do it. The Greeks believed it was the fates. You know, you really don't have any choice. How many times do we hear that language? I had no other choice. And now we have Christian theology telling us that we are determined, that God decrees everything, that everything happens for a reason. And all we want to do is get rid of the responsibility and pretend that we are not free. That the world is as it would be no matter what. But Jesus exposes the lie that that is. We're responsible because we are free. We're dangerous creatures. And if we are to love each other, if we are to be safe for one another, if we are to be trusted with the most powerful gift any creature in imagination could be given, the gift of freedom, we must watch it carefully. And so we come back, week after week after week. Not to be affirmed by the Word, to be exposed by it. There are three perilous human realities that Jesus comes to expose in this passage. Three perilous human realities that Jesus exposes and judges. And the first we find right in the beginning in verse 22 to 26. Jesus reveals that our senses are impaired. Now he's just healed a Gentile who was deaf and mute. And we talked about how that Gentile represents in the Gospel of Mark all the Gentile people. That somehow the Gentiles can't hear the Word of God. And when they do speak truth, it's slurred and very difficult to understand. That Jesus needs to clarify it all and open up the ears so they can hear. Now, he's moved back into Jewish territory and he's going to heal a blind man. And this blind man, for Mark, represents the Jewish people. And their ears are open. They've heard the Word of God. And they can speak it. They can quote the Law of Moses. I mean, they're the Jewish people. They're chosen. But they are blind, as the Gentiles are deaf. And so Jesus heals this blind man. And He doesn't do it all at once. Isn't this a great story? Again, He's spitting at people, which happened with the deaf man, you know, where He spit on his tongue. And now He's spitting in a guy's eyes. And He rubs it in, and then He says, What can you see? And the guy says, I see the people, but they look to me like trees. And then Jesus works on him again, and then he can see clearly. And for the Gospel of Mark, this is intended to say that the disciples, what comes very next when Peter confesses Jesus Christ, they kind of see him, but fuzzy, the way that this guy saw the trees. It's going to take something else to clarify the vision so they can see clearly. What Jesus reveals, what he exposes in us, is that there is no one who can see. We didn't know that. When the whole world is blind, how do you know you're blind? Jesus reveals himself to be the only human on earth, we find out later that he's God in the flesh, who can see. And he's desperately trying to explain what he sees to people who are blind but think they can see. That's you and me. The Proverbs had a different way of saying it, the book of Proverbs. In his heart, all a man's ways are right to him. 
but the Lord weighs the motives. Our senses are impaired, and we are in need of multiple, constant healings. God reveals what He reveals when He reveals it. And only by seeking after Him with all of our hearts, coming before His Word as continually as we can, will we be there when He decides to reveal what He wants to reveal. Our senses are impaired. And the second point is this. Our words are inadequate. We have all the right vocabulary, but we don't understand a lick of what we are saying. Jesus says, who do, you think that, who do people say that I am? And they list out the things. We've already seen them in the Gospel of Mark, so none of it's new. John the Baptist, uh, maybe Elijah. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says it. He's got the right word. You are the Christ. Now, Christ is just a Greek translation of a Hebrew word, Messiah which means anointed one. It was, a, it was a kingly word. And they believed that that king was going to set Israel free, conquer their enemies, set up a throne in Jerusalem, subjugate the nations, and rule a time of peace and prosperity on earth where Israel was the head honcho on earth and all the other nations came and paid homage to them. That was the vision of the Christ, the Messiah, the coming king the anointed one of God. That was in Peter's mind because it was in all the Jewish minds. And so Peter uses the vocabulary. You are the Christ. And what Peter means by that is you are the conqueror. You are the victor. You are the one who's going to beat the Romans. That's going to set us free. That's finally going to give us our land back. Who's going to set up a throne in Jerusalem. Who's going to make Israel the prince of the nations of the earth and set up thousands of years of peace. But Jesus didn't mean. I mean, he accepted it. Don't tell anybody. But then he had to go on to explain what he meant by Christ. And this is where Peter runs into trouble. Jesus says to him, I have to die. I'm going to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the leaders of our people, and then I'm going to be killed. And Peter says, how can the king of Israel, who's going to conquer the Romans, be killed by the Romans? That doesn't make any sense. So Peter rebukes him. He basically says, you're contradicting yourself, Jesus. You're confused. And Jesus indicates that the way of being king in his kingdom is to die and to be rejected. That refusal to allow God to reinterpret our terms is what Jesus associates with Satan. Peter rightly named Jesus, but he saw him as a tree walking around. And so he rebuked him. The idea of death does not fit with the concept of Christ, of Messiah. And so Peter could not understand. Our senses are impaired and our words are inadequate. And finally, our desires are deceived. Our desires are deceived. Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Humanity, the oldest instinct we have, is our desire to survive. But Jesus indicates that that very desire will cause the death you're trying to avoid. It's the one who is willing to lose their life for Jesus who will finally live. And Jesus wasn't just going to die. He said you must take up your cross. He was going to die on a cross. The cross was where condemned criminals go to die. And by the way, if this is shameful to you, Jesus goes on to say, 
then I'll be ashamed of you. What's shameful is when we refuse to let Him expose us. When we refuse to follow Him when it's hard. When we refuse to do what Jesus would ask us to do when it's going to cost us something personally to do it. That's what's shameful. Not the failures, not the, the sins, not the inadequacies, not the frailties, not the wonderful word iniquities. It's the refusal to let Him be who He is. The only one who can tell us the truth about ourselves. And the only one who can set us free tomorrow. He's the only way, and He must expose us. Only a being made in God's image, filled with the Holy Spirit, and following in the footsteps of Jesus can be trusted with such a gift as freedom. And it is not to be worn lightly. And so we come constantly back to the source of our life and the source of our freedom, and we say, expose me. Show me what's next. Make me safe for my wife. Make me safe for my children. Make me safe for my employers. Make me safe for my church and for my neighbors. Make me someone that they can trust. Make me someone who will care for others as much as I care for myself. Make the world around me safer. Help me to use the freedom you've given me and to use it well. Our, our eyes, our senses are impaired. Our words are inadequate. Our desires are deceived. How can, we, how can we become what He wants us to become? You must stand before the penetrating Word of God. Not devotionally to be encouraged, to be exposed. Daniel Doriani in his book, Getting the Message, says that the first question we should ask when we come to the Word of God is this. Not what does this text say to me? What does it say against me? This is how we grow. Like, this is what the church is. And as we keep coming to Him, to the fount of God's wisdom, and He shows us who we need to be, we can be better and better and better, only by His grace.